Welcome to the Top 5, where I discuss my top 5 takeaways from each week's NASCAR race. This week, Martinsville Speedway. Hello and welcome to the Top 5, where each week I talk about the previous NASCAR race. If you have a moment, please check me out on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the top five, all spelled out. Or send me an email, connorbruin at gmail.com, C-O-N-O-R-B-R-U-E-N at gmail.com, and let me know your thoughts. This week, we are discussing Martinsville, so let's get right into it. Number one. So this week, I'm going to start a little bit different than I have in the past, actually watched the Xfinity race. I typically pay attention to the Xfinity race, uh, check out who won, which cup drivers were in it, etc., but I don't really watch the whole thing. Uh, This time I watched it mostly because Dale Jr. was in it. And it's some decent racing. The, The lack of talent as compared to the cup drivers is so noticeable that it can be difficult at times but it was fun to see dale jr racing again it's always always fun to see dale race i wish he was still racing uh there were a lot of cautions in that race one long red flag uh and the finish was pretty exciting but as everyone knows the big takeaway was the ty gibbs fight and I cannot even get over how much of a coward Ty Gibbs is. First of all, the guy doesn't belong in a race car. Mommy and Daddy have money, and his dad owns a, or Grandpa owns a race team. And so they bought him into Xfinity. And I'm sure at some point he'll get moved up to Cup, whether he belongs there or not. But he can't drive. He's not that good. He has the best equipment on the track, gets up front, races everyone like a jerk, and then gets mad when he gets raced the same way. And listen, I get it. I've been in in situations where my temper gets the best of me and I make decisions I shouldn't, but I, I am at least aware enough to know what my options are. And it's simple. You... If you're going to fight, fight. Take your helmet off. Go fight the guy. If you want to have a conversation, walk away. Do like Jeff Gordon did to Clint Boyer all those years ago at Phoenix and just walk away. Let cooler heads prevail and have a conversation later. But what you cannot do, you absolutely cannot do, is confront a guy with a helmet on and then be the first one to throw a punch. Now, there's a big difference there. Confronting somebody with your helmet still on, albeit a bit weak, it, it's a, it happens. You, you jump out the car, a guy's in your face. You cannot be the first one to throw a punch with your helmet on. You cannot protect yourself while trying to fight someone else. That's just weak. It's cowardly. And I'm not saying that these guys need to, to have an all-out MMA brawl on pit road. I'm not advocating for violence, but what I am saying is if you want to be a big man and go get in someone's face, 
then be a big man and be ready to be in a fight. So I was sorely disappointed by that. I've been not a big fan of Ty Gibbs, and now he's basically the Kyle Busch of Xfinity to me. Uh, he was fined $10,000, big whoop, pocket change to him and his family. I'd like to see him sat for a race, but they won't do that. And then lastly, uh, from my first takeaway was Martinsville. Slow down on getting lights, Martinsville. It's not like we're in 2022. I know they got them last year or whatever, but it took them so long to get lights. When you have major, major tracks with lights, you know, huge two-mile track, two-and-a-half-mile tracks with lights, mile-and-a-half tracks with lights, and the shortest track on the circuit couldn't get lights until 2020, it was a bit odd to me. That said, Martinsville did it right, and I got to give props where props are due. They got a light show, and it is a really really cool light show when that race was over both xfinity and cup and the lights did their little thing i thought that was pretty neat big fan of that so with that let's leave the xfinity behind and get into the cup race number two so before the cup race they shortened it from a 500 lap race to a 400 lap race and they said during the broadcast that this was the first time a race at Martinsville wasn't 500 laps. And I guess they did that because of weather and time. I guess it was supposed to get pretty cold as the night went on. And there was a, a rain delay to start. So I guess it makes sense. My initial thought on that was that it, it was baloney. I thought... Teams plan out their race for the scheduled time, and to change it like that was, uh, I didn't like it. Some of it just sat wrong with me, but it is what it is, and it looked really cold there, so I, I guess I get it. If I were there, I wouldn't have been super bummed uh, to still see a race to its completion without having to wait an extra 100 laps. Chase Elliott was on the pole. Uh, there was a good crowd. It was nearly full, which was cool to see. Uh, can we just get rid of the grid walk with Michael Baltrip? It's not funny. It's not cute. It's stupid. I'm sure that Michael Waltrip is a good guy. I have never heard anyone put down Michael Waltrip as a person. I'm I know Daryl is a great guy. The Waltrips are a great family. But Michael is just not good on TV. He's okay in the booth. Um, his commentary is fine, I guess. Obviously, he knows. He's forgot more about racing than I'll ever know. I'll give him credit, but the grid walk is just forced and cheesy. I just cannot, cannot stand it. But as mentioned, there was that delay for rain. Finally got underway, and of course, Martinsville being so small, the cars were on pit road during the rain delay, and they had nowhere to go. So they had to get the cars off of pit road after drying the track to dry pit road. 
man, I wasn't sure if those parade laps were ever going to end. I looked at my watch and about 25 minutes worth of parade laps went on before they finally dropped the green flag. I thought that was nuts and I get it. I understand why, but it was pretty frustrating. And I also got a kick out of uh, Knaus and Clint and Mike Joy in the booth trying to come up with things to talk about. They were stretched so thin. Uh, Also, at the beginning of the race during the parade laps, they always talk to the pole sitter, just like they do at the end of each stage. Uh, They talk to the person who won said stage. And they talked to Eric Amarola, who's on the outside, instead of Chase Elliott. And I wonder if there was a reason for that. Maybe Chase didn't give his permission, or I thought that was odd. But after all those parade laps and the rain delay and the shortened race and Michael Waltrip being Michael Waltrip, we finally got into the race. Number three. So the green flag finally drops. And it was abundantly clear how important brakes were. They talked about it a bunch during the pre-race. And it was pretty cool with the nighttime racing at Martinsville, the dark, uh, you know, dark outside air, uh, showing the contrast of the glowing brakes. And it was also abundantly clear who was using them up and who wasn't, uh, Denny Hamlin seemed to be struggling all night with his brakes. And, um, but that said, the race started and it was an absolute snooze fest. I have never in my life seen a Martinsville race that boring. Chase Elliott was off to a, a big lead to start. He won both stage one and two. There was a lot of bumping early. It became abundantly clear early that these cars were just going to bounce off each other. It was going to be a game of bumper cars, drag race and bumper cars for 400 laps, which in theory sounds fun. In reality, it's it's really not that all all that exciting. Um, some notable points. Uh, Logano moved... Elliot at one point he went from second to fifth uh he was bumped out of the groove and passed by Blaney and Dylan that was interesting to see uh and then really I had no other notes I keep notes during the race it's something I've started as a means to be able to talk about the race and I had no notes from stages one and two other than that Chase Elliott won them and that Hendrick Motorsports led 10,000 laps at uh, at Martinsville, which was interesting and, and pretty cool. That spanned, they said, from Miami to Anchorage, which at such a short track is an interesting way of looking at it. And it kind of bummed me out because it made me think of all those great Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon battles and Dale Jr. winning his first Martinsville, I believe his only Martinsville race. And then watching the race that was unfolding in front of me, trying like hell to keep my eyes open. Uh, But it did start to pick up 
in the latter half of stage two. Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. tried to short pit. They tried to basically implement the strategy that was in place in um, Richmond, where one or two cars would come down pit road, and then the rest of the field would rush down pit road, worried that they'd get outran. However, at Martinsville, you can't run down cars like you could um, at Richmond. So at first, I thought it wasn't going to work. And then it, it did end up bringing the field down. It just took about five to seven laps. At Richmond, when people short pitted, it would literally be the very next lap the entire field would come down. It was the quickest cycle through of green flag cautions or green flag pit stops possibly ever. Whereas this took about 10 laps for the entire cycle to go through, which is fine. Um, Although Truex came out of the pit with a flat and almost took out a large, you almost saw the big one at, at the small one. Thankfully he was able to limp back around. Larson was too fast and had to serve a penalty. And Cole Custer hit a tire on pit road. He was having a really good day up to that point. So those are three good competitors that uh, in that cycle ended up shooting themselves in the foot or their their uh, teams did anyway. So that was a bummer to see. Uh, but that pretty much wrapped up stage two. So moving on to the end of the race. Number four. So with 87 to go, there was a caution for debris. And this was the first non-stage caution, which some tracks that happens at a track like Martinsville tells me that these guys were just coasting. They got out there and just basically ran head to toe uh, for... 320 laps and then it was go time and that restart was insane uh everyone was bouncing off everyone the fact that that restart got underway and there wasn't an immediate caution for a wreck was shocking to me because these cars were just bouncing off each other and you could tell there was there was a a gitch in the hitty, uh, giddy up. Uh, Kyle Bush restarted 11th and was fourth within like two and a half laps. It was crazy. Uh, so that was exciting to watch. Finally, with seven to go, David Gillian lost a tire and hit the wall. So, um, another caution race going into overtime. William Byron just it was just his day. He worked on the car all day. No one could catch him. So another exciting restart. William Byron. Of course, my guy was right behind him. So I'm rooting hard for Joey Logano to get to him. He did get to his bumper, but he couldn't move him. But William Byron got the win. Cool to see. Guy's awesome. Great racer. I did not know about his mom. And for those of you who don't, it came out in the post-race. His mom had been battling cancer 
and um, had had a tough year and had been given a clean bill of health and was there at the track to see her son win. And you could tell William was getting a little choked up talking about it. And who wouldn't? It's your mom. We all love our mom. And uh, it was it was just a neat neat thing to see. I was happy for him. I was happy for his family. The Martinsville Light Show back on. Always cool to see. And there is no cooler trophy than winning a grandfather clock. That is so cool. But with more on William Byron, let's check in with Mackenzie. Here's what's trending in NASCAR with Mackenzie. Welcome to Trending with Mackenzie, but it's also just fun facts and cool things. Before I tell you the answers to the questions from the last podcast, I want to tell you this story. William Bryan's mom was diagnosed with a brain tumor one year ago the same weekend as the race this weekend. And after getting a clean bill of health, she was at the racetrack to watch William Byron win the race at Martinsville, and he decided the win to his mom. Now, here are the answers to the last, po- last podcast. Number one, how big is a NASCAR fuel cell? 18-gallon fuel cell. Number two, how much fuel does a NASCAR use per race? Between 65 and 75 gallons of gas, and a car in the Sunday race would consume between 90 and 100 gallons of gas. Number three, how much does a NASCAR gas can weigh? 70 pounds when full. And here are the questions, here are the new questions for this week. Number one, who is the richest NASCAR driver? Number two. How much does it cost to race a car in NASCAR? And number three, how much is NASCAR Carl Edworth worth? Try to answer these without looking them up. Bye. Great job, Mackenzie. I look forward to hearing the answers to your questions next week. I am curious how much Carl Edwards is worth. I bet you I would be backflipping to find out. But Alright, let's get on to the last one. Number five. My number five is looking forward to next week where we'll be racing on dirt at Bristol. Got to be honest, I'm not a fan. I think this race is a gimmick. Uh, I wasn't a fan last year, and I can put my money where my mouth is on this one. My guy won last year's dirt race, and I still didn't like the race. These cars are too heavy. They're not meant to be on dirt. And Bristol is such an awesome racetrack. I love watching races at Bristol. And we're getting robbed of one of the Bristol races for a gimmick race. And this puts me in a very difficult position where I have to actually agree with Kyle Busch, who in an interview said that this sets our sport back. And he's right. I I don't like that it's on Easter Sunday. I don't know if I'll be able to watch it live. And then I'll have to be in the bubble. And I know that's a me problem, but I just don't like it. I don't like anything about this race other than it's held at Bristol. That said, I'll be watching. I look forward to discussing it. My prediction 
is Joey's going to repeat at this track. And that's based solely on betting for my heart. So, thanks for listening. If you have a moment, please check me out on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the top five, all spelled out, T-H-E-T-O-P-F-I-V-E. Or send me an email, connorbruin at gmail.com, that's C-O-N-O-R-B-R-U-E-N at gmail.com. I love having a fun discussion about NASCAR. Agree, disagree, it doesn't matter. Thanks so much for tuning in. These have been my top five, and I am confident.